Welcome to a Monday edition of the Baseball Insiders. I am Adam Weiner alongside, as always, fanside, it's MLB insider Robert Murray. Two words, Orion Kirkering. Two more words, playoff spoilers. What a weird weekend in Major League Baseball where one team that got dissed by the Cubs responded to the Cubs manager's insult by rocking the world of the Cincinnati Reds. Plus, the defending World Series champions couldn't have possibly gotten swept at home by a hundred loss team, right? That I, I'm just checking my math. There must be, no, the Houston Astros lost once, lost twice, lost three times a lady to the Kansas City Royals this weekend and are now officially in danger of falling out of the postseason picture. All that and more with Fansided's Insider, Robert Murray. Robert, how you doing? Uh, this is as close to playoff baseball as you can get without going over. And it was a pretty exciting weekend. It was absolutely nuts. And I'll tell you, it starts with the Houston Astros. What in the world is going on there? Losing, being swept by the Kansas City Royals, about as bad as you could possibly imagine. Um, I mean, that just seems unfathomable, uh, considering the team that they are, the Royals, the team that they are, too. Um, but it's the reality they now face. And I know we're going to get deep into that, but like their, their series coming up with the Mariners here is about as big as it gets. And it could just, it actually probably will decide whether or not they make the postseason. which considering where they were about a month ago, I can't believe we're talking about it, but here we are. Adam Weiner, always good to be here with you. Always good to be here with you. Yeah. Houston wishes they could put an asterisk on that one, but sorry, you don't get to pick and choose your asterisks. We will get into all the nitty gritty details in a little bit. First, want to give everybody a new promo that we've got from Bet365. They have changed their offer and increased it. Changed it in a good way ahead of the MLB playoffs. New users who register for Bet365 with our code BASEBALLIN. That's at the bottom of the screen right now. The promo code is BASEBALLIN. If you're a new user, all you have to do is deposit $10 Place a $1 wager on any game, and you will get $365 worth of bonus bets. Once you place that first bet, you will instantly receive those bonus bets, whether you win or lose, as long as you use the code BASEBALLIN when you sign up. By using our code, you not only receive those bonus bets, 365 in total, getting larger. You will also be directly supporting the podcast. If you've not signed up for Bet365, join us with that code BASEBALLIN. Place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus physically present legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. And if you want to chat baseball, ask us questions before we go live. Again, join the Discord. Become a member on the YouTube channel. Hit Robert and I up between shows. We are always happy to answer questions and talk ball with you there. If you want to talk betting tips, probably don't do that in the Discord or at least don't talk to me. As I told Robert before the show, uh, I was bragging all year long about winning on the D-backs over. I won it. Uh, I Congratulations to me. The Diamondbacks went over. And then I lost every successive bet that I made with that money. So I withdrew $3 just to say I made a profit. But if you're in the Discord, and uh, Joanne, our producer, raises an excellent point um, because I spoke erroneously. If you're in the Discord, you want to talk betting. Don't talk to me ever. Don't talk to me ever. Never talk to me. But if you want to talk betting, talk to Ian McMillan and Peter Dewey, who are from our betting team and are in that Discord. So if you want betting tips, there are actually people in there who can help you make the most out of your money. Unfortunately, I, I guess, don't listen to them, and I do it myself. 
So uh, rest in peace to me. I'm a big loser, but you don't have to be. Uh, Robert Murray, which which losers or which winners or which spoilers do you want to talk about first? The travesty of what the Cincinnati Reds surrendered uh, in the form of a 9 nothing lead that dissolved into thin air over the weekend. They did salvage yesterday's game, but it might be too little too late. Or the Astros and Royals. Or the Astros just walked into a door repeatedly. At least the Reds only did it twice. I'll give you your pick which team you want to go after first. Yeah, I mean, you can make the case for either one of those teams, but I'll I'll actually start with the Pittsburgh Pirates just considering what exactly they ended up doing. Coming back from a nine-run deficit is, I mean, it's the biggest in franchise history, but also it may have single-handedly eliminated the Cincinnati Reds because how do you come back from that kind of a loss where you blow that big of a lead and then try to go back into a postseason, right? Like, obviously, teams are going to end up saying it's one game and they're going to move – turn the page, move on to the next day. But that kind of loss lingers. And especially for a young team who do not have a lot of leaders in that clubhouse, I think that can end up, that ultimately was a big thing for them. And the Reds are going to be better off for it in the long haul. They're in the offseason. I would imagine they're going to end up adding some veteran pieces to put among those young players. But uh, for now, that that loss eliminated them uh, seemingly. I mean, they're not technically eliminated quite yet. Uh, they're two and a half games back, I believe, with a week to go. So the odds are stacked against them. But um, that Pirates team is scrappy. And I'll tell you, I've, I've said on this podcast many times, next year is the year that organization believes that they will compete. Um, and they're, they're a team to watch out for because I think they're going to spend more this offseason than they have in years past. David Ross specifically said that the Pirates are not a good team after the Pirates worked hard to send the Cubs closer to the bottom of that wild card picture. Uh, And he apparently texted Derek Shelton. He did apologize. uh, But Ross sort of said, hey, if you want to prove you're a good team, why don't you go out and beat the Reds? That would really help us this week. I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen a loss quite like the 9-0 deficit, and and the numbers bear it out. That's the first time the Pirates have overcome a nine-run deficit in the history of the franchise, which goes back to 1882. And of course, of course, Anybody watching that game knew two things as soon as uh, that nine-run deficit was erased and the Pirates took a 13-9 lead. They knew two things. One, the Reds are not winning this game. Two, the Reds are going to find a way to make this even more painful. And that's exactly what happened. They cut it from 13-9 to 13-11 to 13-11 with second and third no out in the ninth. To runner on third, one out, 13-12, Ellie De La Cruz at the plate battling, and in like a 10-11 pitch AB, he strikes out on an inside cutter. India ends it with soft contact. That and game two of the Blue Jays-Mariners series last postseason are the two worst single game losses I, I can recall as a baseball fan, and this one was downright stunning. Oh, it was it was absolutely stunning. And I'll tell you, like this is this is not the perfect comparison at all. Like considering that, I mean, the Pirates en- ended up coming back from it, but it reminded me of the postseason game from a couple of years ago. I think it was a wild card round against what was it, the Braves and the Cardinals, where they scored like nine or ten runs in the first inning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, like, there's been some crazy games, but man, oh man, that that Reds loss is about as bad as it gets. And <laughs> I know we're going to be talking, actually, I could even segue into it right now about bad losses. Yeah. The, what happened with the Houston Astros against the Kansas City Royals was about as bad as it possibly could have gotten. And that is a team where I have discussed them and 
I've said I'm not pressing the panic button because they have too many veteran leaders on that team. They have a veteran manager who is probably bound for the Hall of Fame at some point in the not so distant future once he hangs it up. Um, but that loss to the Royals and that series sweep was about as concerning as it gets. And I am right now ready to press the panic flag or wave the panic flag or whatever, however you want to phrase it <laughs> with that team. Um, especially they're not playing to their standard, not even close. And now they have to go end the season with two series on the road against the Seattle Mariners, who um, are the team they're vying for a postseason spot with, which I'll tell you that Mariners aren't playing their best ball either, but playing against that team um, in Seattle in what is guaranteed going to be a hostile environment is not an easy task. And then they go to Arizona to end the season and they will um, play, be playing another postseason contender. And it's not going to be an easy road to the postseason for them at all. And I'll tell you, that is, uh, they're in danger of missing the postseason. I was adamant that they would not miss the postseason for about 150 games, but now here we are, and I'm I'm genuinely thinking that there's a real shot they miss the postseason. The Astros are a great example of why you should listen to fans and local reporters when they worry about something. I think. I was cavalier about the Astros. I think a lot of people were because they wanted, they're in the ALCS every single season. They're the defending World Series champions. And it looked like they'd unlocked another level of their semi-dynasty last year. Like, oh, here's Jeremy Pena. You know, we don't even need the guys you're used to. Here's Chaz McCormick. So I think for a long time in August and September, when Astros people were saying, they're playing out the string. They're in danger of missing the postseason. I would go, okay, yeah, sure. But they'll figure it out. Like, why do I have to listen to you? Like, crying about the Houston Astros? Give me a break. And three and nine in their last 12. Surely they must be playing powerhouses. No, that's uh, that's the A's, Royals, Orioles, and Royals again. Six but as good, tough as it gets. Yeah. A gauntlet. <laughs> uh, the the post-playoff clinch Orioles, too. So there was like a hangover Orioles lineup in there. Like, they walked off the O's in the final game of that series, but just went one and five on this homestand. I, does not, it does not get worse than that. It does not get worse than getting swept by the Royals in that scenario. Uh, Jordan Alvarez comes up as the winning run yesterday at the end of the game. You know, tying run on, winning run at the plate. And you watch that going, even up to the last out of yesterday's game, you're going, how many times have I seen this before? Though I'm not getting fooled by this. He's going deep. He has to go deep. Swings over the top of it. The Royals are throwing closers with six ERAs at the Astros in this series, and they're kind of knifing through one-run games with very little resistance. This was an awful series sweep. Yeah, oh, it absolutely was. And it's like they're they're playing to the level of their competition, which makes me wonder maybe they turn it on against the Mariners and maybe they turn it on against the Arizona Diamondbacks here. But they've shown no signs to, like, believe in them at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, going and having that um, that kind of output against those level of teams is about as concerning as it gets. And I'll tell you, they just – they don't have the feel. And – to me, like, should I just uh, – I'll dive right into it right now. Yeah. I honestly think with how everything stands right now, it is not the Houston Astros that are the favorite in the American League. It's not the Mariners. It's it's not the Rangers. It's not the Rays to me. I think it's the Baltimore Orioles. They have they have the feel. And I know the pitching is a little – it's a little dicey, um, but they're – 
their talent on that roster is is something else. And it's year one for them of what is going to be probably, boy, I mean, we're talking at least five years of sustained success for that team. And I think the Orioles are the team to watch. The Rays are obviously great. I know obviously a burner in the comments is coming after me already. I'm just kidding. Um, he, uh, I, I think, I think the Orioles are the team to watch and I can't believe at this point, I don't even know if I have the, um, um, I don't even know if I have the, the Astros in the top two or three. It's just really strange right now. I mean, I know the Yankees are eliminated from contention and will not be making the playoffs, but I wouldn't count them out in the World Series chase just yet. No, obviously they're uh, they're donezo. Uh, yeah, I, I oh, well, love don't count out the uh, don't count out the Royals or the A's at this point. The There's Royals and the A's TV. are coming in yeah. hot. Hey, if you put the Royals right now in a best of seven series in the postseason, how many AL teams do they have a chance to beat? One. We know one. <laughs> that we do. That we do. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you, man, oh, this postseason race, I'll tell you, I, it feels like we say it year in and year out, but I can't remember like it being this kind of nuts, especially with a team of the Astros. We're talking a dynasty-level team in danger of missing the postseason when it felt like a shoe-in that they'd make. It's it just bonkers to me. I love it, though. I think it's. I think it makes for, uh, for great theater, great parody, or however you want to phrase it, but, man, oh, man, I love it. What a difference! A, what a difference a weekend makes too. Where we what we leave the show last week, basically being like the Rangers and Mariners are going to fight for a, a wild card berth in this big three game set. The Rangers go sweepies on the Mariners. All of a sudden, they're now leading the the West significant by a last week significant margin over the Astros, who decided to win zero games. And now it's another do or die playoff series. Uh, you know, playoff berth at stake series for the Mariners, but the Astros have all the pressure in the world on their shoulders too. Now it's the other team, the AOS is in the same precarious position. The Rangers were the last time we spoke and the Mariners still have basically the same odds to dig themselves out of this. They just have to do it against the very intimidating Astros instead of the collapsing Rangers. I love baseball. Oh, I, I love it too. I'll tell you, man, that, that entire series is going to be most watched TV and as I said before, it's going to end up probably determining what team makes the postseason and what team misses it. And at this point, kind of feels like it's trending toward the Astros, but um, maybe they prove me wrong. I mean, they got they have a history of proving a lot of people wrong. That is that is for certain. They face more adversity than any team in recent baseball history. So um, if anyone can get out of it, it's them. But that entire series is uh, is must watch. And I know as a fact that I will be having it on my TVs. I will be glued to it be texting plenty of people around the league trying to figure out what they're seeing as well. Um, but I'll tell you the, the current field from the Astros or for the Astros, I should say from others in the league is they're vulnerable. And the Mar the Mariners right now have a chance to completely eliminate them. And um, I, as I, I, I still can't believe that's, that's a legit possibility. I, I truly can't, but it's, it's reality. And there's not a lot of baseball on tonight. This was supposed to be a Monday off day for most teams, but the Mariners and Astros will get after it this evening. So clear your schedules. Watch that. Watch the Padres try to top the Giants in the West, too. They have the same record, and they start a series tonight. Life is so weird. Um, I know you wanted to talk. I mean, so many spoilers uh, all, all through the game this weekend. John Means spoiling uh, what I think, that spoiling the momentum 
of the Rays in the East by giving the Orioles another left arm. The Brewers spoiling the Marlins' chances to sweep this weekend with a 12-run inning on Friday. Though, spoiler alert, those Marlins did recover to stay in the race. You wanted to talk up the O's, I know, but you also wanted to talk up the Brewers before we moved on. Yeah, they, they're a team that is extremely scary. And if they have everything go right, where I'm talking the pitching staff, especially their top three guys, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, and their, their offense, which has been really streaky at times. Um, when it's been on, it's been really on. When it's been cold, it has been really cold. Um, but if they have everything going for them and they're clicking on all cylinders, that to me is one of the biggest wild cards in the postseason. And you look at them, I still think if they play the Dodgers in, in a postseason series here, they are – they have a they have a very real chance of beating the Dodgers. I still don't know necessarily if they're capable of beating the Braves, but um, the Braves' rotation is suddenly quite vulnerable. And I mean, there's no team that is truly invincible. The Braves are about as close as it gets, in my opinion, because they just they're loaded from top to bottom. But those those injuries from the rotation that make them vulnerable here. But um, the Brewers overall, they have the star power on offense. Christian Yelich, I. I still can't believe Willie Adamas has struggled with this degree. Um, but the Wilson Contreras edition has been awesome for them. They've had, or the William Contreras, not Will, not Wilson Contreras. Wilson's um, been better as of late too, but not for really. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, they have the pieces and who knows, maybe they surprised. They ended up making it to the, uh, the NLCS in game seven in 2018 when they played the Dodgers. Who's to say they can't do it again. Um, still think the Braves are the favorite there, the Brewers, but the Brewers there, they're, they're a team to watch out for, for sure. For the Astros fan in the comments saying that, you know, we we don't know about the Astros because we thought they were going to coast in the postseason. That's just such a good example of local versus national media. Like, we are able to have that outside perspective saying like, yeah, yeah, we know they're inconsistent. We know that they've lacked Verlander for most of the year. We know Christian Javier hasn't been the Christian Javier that we expected. But yep. they have Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman. They will figure this out. And so us standing you know we're above houston like we're looking at it from a bird's eye view able to say like i haven't seen this core fail since 2017 so i'm not going to pick them to fail now but you on the ground you do have the ability to worry about all these little things that you're perceiving on a day in day out basis so i see them and i say yeah but until they fail i'm going to pick them to succeed you have the anxiety of a fan on the ground and that's why Hey, sometimes the fans are right. Astros fans had every reason to be nervous about this team. There might really be something different about that. Like the core might not be able to overcome the deficiencies this year, or they will, and they're going to sweep the Mariners this week. And then, exactly. I'll, and then we'll yeah. have it right all along. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, like, because I, I saw the comment and I was trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to articulate that, but you just you summed up every single word that I wanted to say. And like, I think that's, that's dead on is the Astros. They, they earn the benefit of the doubt because, like, as you said, the core that they have, um, their long sustained period of success, like they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And this year I was under that assumption for quite a while. But right now we're this is do or die territory. And I don't know if I like I don't know if they're going to be able to turn or turn those inconsistencies around. I think they're a flawed baseball team for sure. Um, but that's what you said is it basically sums up exactly how I felt and you articulated that very well. So good work, Adam.
<laughs> Thank you, Robert. Uh, we make a good team. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of the deficiencies, like the day in, day out stuff, you know, why is Yiner Diaz on the bench? Why isn't Chaz McCormick playing every day? It, it's like it doesn't matter until it does. You take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit and you're trying to, it's what the Yankees do. Hey, we're preparing for the postseason. We don't really care about August 20th. Come see us at the end of the season. Everybody will get their reps. And then, um, of course, the end of the season get there, and they're like, wait a minute, we're no longer leading the, what happened? We're tied for a playoff spot? What, what's going on? The Astros are experiencing a little bit of that with Dusty Baker this year as well, and and it all begins again tonight between two teams who are in the same place as the Mariners and Rangers were when the Mariners and Rangers series began at the beginning of the weekend. Whew. Well, one team that was kind of sort of almost eliminated when the weekend started but had the slightest glimmer of hope and now does not. R.I.P. Padres. They are dead. They have died. We had our fun. Uh, I'm glad that we got to talk about the Padres, like being a playoff uh, sneak attacker. But no, they're, it's all over. Uh, they're 0 and 12 in extra innings this year. They had second and third in the ninth of the tie game. One out for Tatis and Soto on Saturday night with the chance to stay in this with a miracle finish. Tati swung over the top of a slider, low and away. Soto swung over the top of a fastball, just above the zone, outside corner. They couldn't get the ghost runner in, as they have failed to do time and again this year. And they are now, for all intents and purposes, dead and buried. So yeah. now that we can do a post-mortem, how do you feel on this team's pipe dream dying? Um, I think it cements their status as one of the most disappointing teams in baseball history. And I don't like, you can even make the argument that they are the most disappointing team in baseball history. It is. Um, they entered the season with world series aspirations and it was basically world series or bust. They wouldn't say it internally. They, they wouldn't even say it like to people off the record. Um, but their spending basically confirmed that this was, this was supposed to be the start of a World Series window that should be open for as long as Tatis's contract, Machado's contract, Bogarts's contract, all these big contracts that they gave out. And in the first year of that entire team being together with Soto, with Bogarts, with all these guys, they failed to miss, they failed to make the postseason. And now they enter an offseason with a whole lot of questions. And we've seen some reporters take like they've reported that the Padres clubhouse culture is not great, especially with Manny Machado Machado. He, he pushed back against that pretty recently. Um, but like, it's, it's not a good situation there in San Diego right now, obviously. And now they enter an off season with a lot of questions and it's, what do you do with Blake Snell? What do you do with Josh Hader who are both pending free agents? I know Preller coveted um, Hader for the longest time. But has that team shown that it should shell out what is going to end up being a contract that exceeds Edwin Diaz's deal? Um, to like, I, I don't know if I don't I honestly don't know if that makes sense for them. So maybe Hater goes elsewhere. I would imagine the Padres are going to stay in that mix for sure. Um, Blake Snell, I think, is going to end up commanding a contract that is going to be around two hundred million. Can the Padres afford another one of those contracts? I don't know. But the most pressing thing for them right now is figuring out the job statuses of both A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin. And as I've said continually on this podcast, I firmly expect Preller to return next year. I, I think the ownership there is very loyal to him, and they believe that he can get this team out of it. I still believe 
And I'm a little bit more confident that that Bob Melvin will not return next year. There's been a lot of smoke there over the last seven to 10 days. Uh, nobody there is willing to confirm it quite yet. Um, but I think it's trending that way. And very curious to see what exact kind of managerial candidate that team attracts, because obviously we're talking about a loaded roster, but Bob Melvin is about as respected of a manager as it gets. And the fact that he's going to end up being most likely out of there after only a couple seasons is it's pretty scary, especially with their, their past of firing coaches, especially with um, what has seemingly been like not a very good relationship between Melvin and, and Preller. Um, and Preller's had the same kind of issues with other managers too. So you wonder if that's going to result in some top candidates being a little wary about going there. I guess we'll have to see, but um, all signs point at this point to Melvin not returning to San Diego next year. Related but unrelated with Aaron Boone sort of entering his lame duck year in New York. I think Yankee fans are looking at that thinking, one, he's probably going to return now. Like that dream has probably also died. But two, like let's even say you're trying to replace Aaron Boone, whether it be this year or next year. Who are the home run Hall of Fame hires available? Or are you going to go and try to dig deep and and find the best 38-year-old again and do what you did with Boone last time as you turn over this Yankees roster? Because Bochy's off the market. Buck Showalter has failed in New York. Don Mattingly not doesn't sound like a win. People are going to think about counsel, but now I think people are going to think about, all right, what about Bob Melvin in a year, too? Like, Boone finishes out the string. If it works, he'll get extended. If it doesn't, now there is a big name that could be back on the market. Oh, 100%. And I'll, I'll tell you, this is this is me dot connecting. Um, but there's obviously been a lot of smoke about Craig Council's future in Milwaukee. And I still don't believe he's going to return there next year. But let's say, let's say Council does not return to Milwaukee and he decides to take the entire 2024 season off. Uh, David Stearns obviously is very close with Council from their days working together in Milwaukee. Who is Council's mentor? It was Bob Melvin. And surely, like, Melvin will be able to pick Council's brain about uh, what it's like working with Stearns, what it's like, um, like, with that entire dynamic. And he'll know that going and working with Stearns, um, Stearns is, like, he's a, he's a good person to work with. And I know everybody that has worked around David Stearns, whether it's coaches or whether it's front, fellow front office people, they thoroughly enjoy it. And I think that would be a huge breath of fresh air for a guy like Bob Melvin. So I, I think that can end up being something that interests Melvin and, and the Mets. I know they tried to interview him um, when he was previously looking for a job, but he ended up spurring them to go um, to the Padres. Obviously we see how that, we see how that looks um, and how that turned out, but maybe they write the wrong and, and Melvin goes to New York. Just me speculating, of course, but something that I've, I've certainly thought about over the last week or so. I'm thinking about it, too. Uh, and I'm thinking about Ethan Fisher's comment about Sean Casey for Padres manager. Sean Casey, great for reaction shots. I don't think I know a single thing about his coaching style or ability after two months in the Yankees dugout. But I wish I did. It would be great if I knew something about it. Unfortunately, I just don't. Um, let's talk injuries. I wish we didn't have to. But uh, while everybody was watching the Astros collapse over the weekend and the Pirates come back from 9 nothing down, the Rays lost Brandon Lau for four to six weeks with a patella fracture. That's done for all intents and purposes for the rest of the year. Jason Adam, too, with an oblique issue. Not that the Rays can't handle bullpen shuffles, but you don't want to lose a core reliever now. 
Max Freed should theoretically be back by the NLDS. Charlie Morton ineligible for the first round of the playoffs. And Sandy Alcantara done for the year after a setback in his rehab assignment, though that one not exactly shocking to most of us. Out of these injuries, what's the one you're most focused on as well as who do you think needs to step up to fill these gaps? Boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat here. I'm gonna go with two teams here. I'm gonna start with the Rays because this one's the most brief. Is um, the Jason Adam injury? He is. I remember that signing happening, and Adam specifically, like I know this as a 100% fact. Um, Adam has shown a lot of potential throughout his entire career, but he decided to go to Tampa Bay. Took less money to go there because he viewed that team as the best chance for him to like put it all together in his career. And in the first year, he was about as dominant of a reliever as you could possibly imagine. And he's continued that this year. And they had very brief, and I mean, extremely brief um, contract negotiations uh, about an extension this past off season leading up into the season. Ultimately nothing ever got done, but he seems like a prime candidate to get a deal in Tampa. Um, something I'm certainly going to keep an eye on here uh, going into the off season. Well, obviously we got the postseason here, but I think that's something to watch here in the off season for sure. Um, but the one that concerns me the most is the Braves and their offense is capable of masking it for sure. But losing Max Freed uh, and Charlie Morton for an uncertain amount of time here is it's concerning, especially when you look at the replacement that, that or replacements that they have. Um, Bryce Elder, he was very good in the first half of the season and looked like another Alex Anthopoulos masterclass edition for what was seemingly pennies on the dollar. But in the second half, he's been really inconsistent and somebody that the Braves can't really trust. Um, they couldn't trust in the second half of the year here. So they're going to need him to turn it around. And then you look at Kyle Wright last year, he won 21 games and you'd think perfect candidate uh, to like replace those guys. But he was dealing with shoulder inflammation in the first spring training and, and also the first part of the year dealt with an assortment of different injuries. And I believe since he's returned, he's got like a 12.65 ERA. Um, not exactly inspiring. There is not the pitcher that he was, a year ago by any means, but he is, uh, they're going to need both those guys to step up and maybe they're able to get by in the first round of the postseason. But if they're going to have to rely on those guys in the NLCS, then it could get a little dicey. Um, especially if you're playing a team like the Brewers or the Dodgers, which is, um, which is most likely. Um, but I'll tell you, that's, um, that, that, those injuries kind of concern me. I, I'm not going to lie, but I guess we'll have to see. Well, if this year's Atlanta Braves team wants to avoid a hot swinging offense in their first playoff matchup, uh, look out guys. The, uh, I'll tell you that is, a, that is the biggest, I can't believe it's, I forgot about the Philadelphia Phillies. They have the feel. I I'm I am in disbelief. I forgot them, especially since we're, you're wearing a hat mm-hmm. and we were talking about them for a little bit pre-show. Um, that team, if there's ever a team that can end up bouncing back and um, well, they, they obviously bounce back from a really tough start to the year. Trey Turner, especially they have the star power to really surprise some people and they got the pitching capability too. Um, that is boy. I'll tell you, wouldn't it be wild if like nobody could have ever imagined whatsoever, the possibility, however slim it may be of a Philadelphia Phillies, Baltimore Orioles world series. That would be, banana land crazy and i would be here for it i was in the illadelph last night 
at the game that was supposed to be one o'clock in the afternoon was played at six o'clock between the Mets and the Phillies. Here's a little inside scoop. Um, it was fan appreciation day. The fans showed up. It was a wet day. Crowd was 65, 70% full at first pitch, much fuller as the game went on. Classically great crowd. But guess who delivered the opening speech of Fan Appreciation Day? Trey Turner. Grabbed the mic. Yeah, man, that's a perfect guy. Grabbed the mic and, and basically said, I, my family and I appreciate everything that you guys have done for me this year. Uh, we all as a team appreciate the fans. And we know that we're not done yet. This is just the beginning. They have not clinched a spot. Their magic number is one. Uh, the announcers made that very clear yesterday. They said it like 15 times because they didn't want to. They didn't want anybody to think like you know it's all. I they're they're hedging. They're hedging a little bit, but they are very close to clinching home field in the wild card round. One win away from clinching a playoff spot, and that team is positioned just like they were last year to make a deep run. Of course, baseball unpredictable. I would say they're better this year than last year. Wouldn't shock me if they just went down sad to the Braves this year after making so much noise last year as a scrappier underdog baseball is weird, but they are peaking at the right time. And the kid who debuted in the eighth inning yesterday with what some have called the nastiest slider in. I heard yesterday on the radio broadcast, the Phillies game, leaving the stadium minor league baseball. And one scout said in the game of baseball, Orion Kirkering struck out two Mets yesterday. There's no reason he should not be on the playoff roster with the bullpen issues. The Phillies have had, they're just getting better. They are getting better. And and, and sticking with Turner here, they, he is somebody, um, I, I, I think, basically what happened with him and the Philly fans rallying around like him when he was struggling and basically one of the worst, if not the worst stretches of, of his career, um, it kind of summarizes what that fan base is all about. And he, was, he held himself accountable during those struggles. He didn't make any excuses whatsoever. They gave him that that standing ovation. He ended up bouncing back from it, and um, it, they got the they got the guys' backs when they're they're accountable and um, and like that. And I'll tell you, man, the uh, the way that he's bounced back single handedly changed that entire team. He is when he's right, he's the best shortstop in baseball, and I am a firm believer in that. I thought he'd win the or the MVP this year. Um, obviously, that is not going to happen right now but um he is he's shown why he's so valuable he's shown why the phillies offer made sign up for 300 million they've shown why the padres offered him i believe 340 plus million if that's if i'm remembering correctly <laughs> um yeah they, he's got the goods and he is capable along with him bryce harper kyle schwarber who's got one of the weirdest stat lines in, that i can recall in quite a long time and a lot of that star power um they can surprise some people and they were built for October. They were, they were built for this. They want that home smoke. So we'll see what they get to do. Uh, I think that crowd is going to be absolutely electric MLB. Please do not schedule their first home playoff game for one o'clock. I will come to your house. I will find you. I will say, don't do that. We need prime time. Philadelphia deserves it. Um, and we are so close to the playoffs. I can taste it, man. That is, that is it for today's show. Um, I am so ready, uh, for this last week. I don't want to sim to the end. I want to watch the drama, but God, we are so close to an incredible and unpredictable playoff slate where our predictions will finally be tested. Uh, we were on the record before the season started saying this was the easiest season to predict. We were wrong. 
even the New York Yankees, who are the most incompetent team in baseball, as Justin said, did defeat Arizona. They actually beat them 6-4 today. So the ultimate Yan- the ultimate late-season Yankee game, uh, it's a win, but it potentially takes money off my plate in affecting the NL wildcard race. So shout-out to the New York Yankees. You found another way to upset me. Uh, but shout out to the kids. They do score and, and come back late and win that game. Um, again, a reminder, join the Discord if you have not. Become a member on the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't. If you want to tell a friend, tell a friend to subscribe. This show is only getting hotter as the playoffs get closer and the offseason draws nearer as well. We'll have plenty more great guests, great interviews, great on-the-scene updates, and we'll be at the winter meetings, of course, by we. I mean, Robert will be there. I will be uh facilitating from abroad, but we're going to have the best winter meetings coverage you could possibly imagine. And we couldn't do it without Robert Murray, Robert, another good one. And uh, we definitely had more stamina in this show than the Houston Astros have down the stretch. <laughs> we did. Yeah, I'll tell you, well, we showed, we showed infinitely or infinitely more uh, than the Houston Astros did during their <laughs> down stretch here. But um, Adam Weiner, I appreciate you. Uh, the comments and everybody in the comments here, I appreciate you, Joanne, appreciate you as well. Um, I will not be here on Thursday. Um, just a heads up everybody. Uh, but Adam, I believe will be, be holding down the fort. So, yeah. and he'll be rocking it as always. And we appreciate him for that. But, um, yeah, well, Adam, will see you Thursday. I'll see you next Monday though. Yeah. Robert will be back. Not this week, but like he said, I will hold down the fort. We'll have something special planned for you on Thursday and we'll know what's up with the Mariners and Astros. So I'll either be able to gloat a little bit about Houston or I'll have to eat some crow. And based on the way Houston has treated me since 2015, not just 17, they beat the Yankees in the wildcard game two years before they even got really good. Um, I'm probably going to have to eat my words, but hopefully the Seattle Mariners show me something for the rest of the week. We'll be back on Thursday And we'll be back for the remainder of the regular season, postseason, and offseason right here on the Baseball Insiders. Take care, everybody.